Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Good evening. It really is a privilege to be here tonight to minister the Word of God. And I just want to take a moment and say that really does mean a lot to preach, not just in my mother church, preach here to all of you here tonight, but uh, something special tonight for me is uh, obviously my father's here, and obviously I'm here, but my grandfather's here, and my children are sitting in the audience, and so uh, tonight is my grandfather's first time hearing me preach, but just uh, thinking about that song, I used to sing it growing up when I was much shorter, but it's Go sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with him over and over, over and over again. And I know it's just a Sunday night, but there really is something powerful, just about four generations sitting in church. And uh, I know that there's not, uh, it's not the first time that it's happened, and it's definitely not going to be the last time, thanks to the Dominguez's. They, you know, <laughs> they're going to kill it, you know what I mean? So, uh uh, but to me, it's a privilege, and so I'm very grateful for that. I want to just start off with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says, a calm hour with God is worth a lifetime with man. And I really hope tonight, in the time that we're together, in the time that we uh, look through the Word of God, that you enjoy it, and that you really just uh, come into the presence of God, and you really feel the uh, anointing on your life tonight. I believe I've got a word to speak to you. I hope it's going to help you, and so I've got some personal stories I want to share, but before we do that, I'd like to just tell you what's going on in Long Beach. It's really exciting uh, what's happening. Uh, one year ago to the day, I married a couple. Uh, a guy and a girl in the church got married. The girl, uh, she was uh, two, two or three years ago, she was living in her car. She had both of her children. They were living in their car because they couldn't afford the rent. Uh, Long Beach, California, very expensive uh, to live there. And so she was living in her car. She came into church, you know, uh, repented. She's a backslider. She came in, got, you know, just got saved, started living right, uh, living pure. God blessed her, got her a job. God blessed her, got her another car. God blessed her, brought her uh, baby's father into the church. He got saved. Uh, then they got married a year ago, and uh, he, he was running the service today while we're here in Tucson, and it really is just a blessing to see that. And, uh, just, just to kind of, you know, uh, tell you a little bit more about that, I received a phone call about a month and a half ago from uh, the city of Long Beach. I'm connected with uh, some of the community there, and they asked me if we had anybody in our church that would like to uh, represent single mothers and uh, be a kind of a, 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 an in-between, a go-between uh, for single mothers that are trying to get government resources. And I said, we've got just the perfect person. And she's got a testimony of coming into the church as a single mother. 
together. She's got saved. She's got a job. She's got a husband. And what a powerful testimony to share with single mothers in the community of Long Beach. Such a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so on top of that, we've also, uh, before we came to conference, we had a couple propose. uh, And so they're going to get married. And then the Sunday after conference, we had another couple propose. So uh, in September, we've got our first wedding. And it's really exciting because it's a woman who came into the church and she was uh, living with a girl for about 15 years. And so she ended up getting saved a few years ago, uh, just got her heart right, got, uh, you know, uh, got saved, converted and everything. And now she's getting married to a wonderful, good man. And I'm really excited about that. It's a really powerful testimony for people to want to get married uh, where, where we're pastoring in Long Beach. It's not a common thing. Uh, it's not something that people think to do or something that people want to do because of uh, what they see in marriage, but it really is just a powerful testimony. Uh, and so we're really looking forward to what God's going to do these uh, next few months as we uh, marry these two couples. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 22. I'm going to read a few verses out of uh, starting in verse 31. I've got a sermon tonight. I, I have a title. I don't always have titles, but it's going to be sifted, sown, and surrounded. I didn't realize it follows the three points of uh, uh, the theme for the year. I kind of realized that a little bit too late, but that wasn't my intention, but it just happened to be that way. And so we're going to read out of Luke chapter 22. I really do like the book of Luke. Uh, I can remember there was a time uh, before I was married, I remember uh, going to the men's discipleship classes with Brother Matt McDonald, and we studied through the book of Luke. And uh, I've just soaked in so much about the book of Luke. I love it. I love reading uh, the way that he wrote it, knowing that it was wrote, written to uh, the most excellent Theophilus, how there's a lot of factual information in there. So I like uh, preaching from it just because of uh, just the, the, the facts behind it, that it's very much informational. It was written to uh, a political leader at the time, and so uh, it's, very, it's written very eloquently uh, in the Greek. And so we're going to read this scripture here, verse uh, 31 through verse 34. You might be familiar with it. Jesus has just finished the last supper there with the disciples and he's having this conversation and it says in verse 31 it says Simon Simon behold Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and when you have turned again strengthen your brothers Peter said to him Lord I am ready to go with you both to prison and death and Jesus said I tell you Peter the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. I want to preach firstly about being sifted. I did some research about it. I watched a YouTube video, I'll be honest with you. (laughs) And I watched wheat being sifted. And so what they did is they took the stem of wheat that had, uh, had it on there and then they, uh, you know, broke it off and they put it in a sifter, uh, very similar to cooking where they would, you shake something to sift through, uh, maybe flour or something of that substance. And so they sifted all these things and I watched the wheat being sifted. And when I first thought about being sifted, I thought it was just cut, kind of cut straight down. But it's really about the process of, of weaning out the uh, impurities, weaning out the things that don't belong to get down just to the wheat itself. And so they show this process of shaking the wheat so that way uh, the grains will stay and then the uh, particles won't fall through and then they do it in a reverse way so they can uh, get just the wheat as they sift through the wheat. In the text, it says these words, it says to Peter, it says, I have uh, uh, Simon, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you 
like wheat. Uh, one of the joys of uh, having your own church is you get to preach whatever you want to preach. And so uh, in Long Beach, one of the things I do every September is uh, I go through a series. I call it Step It Up September. And what I do is I take common Bible stories, familiar Bible stories that I learned in children's church, and I preach those simple Bible stories. And one of the ones that I'm excited to preach about here in the next few weeks is going to be about Job. And I want to just read this in the book of Job. Job chapter 1, you might be familiar with this. It says uh, in verse 10, it says, Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. It says destruction took place immediately. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house and there a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them and the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then verse 16, while he was yet speaking there came another Verse 17, while he was yet speaking, there came another. If there's ever a clear biblical example of somebody's life being shaken in the Bible, I would want to use Job as that reference point. That in one sitting, there's Job maybe just enjoying his day. I'm not sure what he was doing. I could just imagine he was going about his day-to-day business. And then all of a sudden, a servant comes and tells him he's lost all of his children. He's lost all of his resources. He's lost his house. Everything has been taken away from him him. And when you read the text, you read that the devil has this conversation and he says that if I could just have my hand upon Job, I could get him to curse you. I could get him to turn against you. You know, when you read this, I, uh, the theology that I pull out about the devil is also found in 1 Peter 5 where it says the devil is seeking like a roaring lion whom he may devour. That when I read this story in the book of Job, it's almost like Satan would daydream about the destruction of Job. It's almost like Satan was just sitting around and in his free time he would think about if I could have a day where I could do anything to somebody, this is what I would do. And we see it played out in this text in the book of Job. It says uh, immediately as they were yet speaking, another came and another came and Job's life was completely turned upside down in one day. I want to share with you a little bit of a story here. Part of my testimony is that I got saved in the Middle East. I grew up in this church, you know, counting the flags in the other building. So I know how many are over there. I'm not really sure about over here. But uh, anyways, uh, 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 part of my testimony is getting saved in the Middle East and God doing a work in my life, really just a supernatural touch of God that happened over there, coming back to America and just uh, coming back to Tucson, to my home church and being restored here. Uh, one of the things that I've, uh, I have for a reference point in my life is I don't really have bad days in America. 
Now, I know uh, that's my frame of reference, that's, that's my point of view, and, and I know we look at uh, what's going on in the world today, and there's a lot of chaos going on in America. I agree with you. Uh, I share that same sentiment, but I still stand uh, by the statement that uh, we are blessed to be in America, and that I really do not have a whole lot of bad days in the United States of America. But I will tell you that there was one day, uh, July 5th. 2019, where I did have a bad day. It's one of the few bad days that I've had. So uh, my son was feeling sick. My oldest son uh, is seven years old at the time. He was feeling sick. And, uh, you know, so we uh, tried to get him better, gave him different medicine and different things like that. And he wasn't getting better. And so we ended up taking him to the hospital. There in Long Beach, they have uh, an emergency department dedicated to children. And so it's a wonderful resource to have available. So we took my son there just thinking he had something that we didn't know, uh, you know, what, know what it was and needed some medicine. We take him in and they start to run some tests on him and different things. And then the doctor comes back or the nurse, excuse me, comes back and she sits me and my wife down and we're sitting there and looking at my son and she looks at us and she says, uh, I have some unfortunate news for you. Your son is a type 1 diabetic. And right there at that moment, instantly, my life changed. My wife and my life changed. My seven-year-old son is sitting in a hospital bed. We don't know what's wrong with him. And immediately there's a, a, a deluge of thoughts, a deluge of emotions overwhelming me, overwhelming my wife as we hear this devastating news that uh, my son now has type 1 diabetes. It doesn't run in my family. It doesn't run in my wife's family. We're trying to figure out where this is coming from. We're trying to figure out, uh, you know, uh, how, why this happened, how this happened. Uh, if I'm honest with you tonight, which I tend to be overly honest, uh, you know, I, I asked myself the question, I prayed to God, I said, God, I'm laboring here in Long Beach. We've been here for a few years now, six years now. I work, you know, I work 45, 50 hours a week. I commute in LA traffic, an hour to work, two hours from work, a bumper to bumper traffic. I labor at the church. I follow up on people. We've been giving ourselves, uh, you know, to the ministry. Uh, we go through everything that we have to go through, the up and down of the emotions of pastoring. And here we are now. My son is in the hospital and our life is completely changed because he now has this diagnosis that we have to live with. We have to every day uh, face. And so we go home from the hospital and, you know, my son's there. We have complete change in our life, complete change in our diet. We're trying to process this. I'm still preaching. I'm still showing up and ministering the word of God. And, you know, there comes times where uh, throughout the, you know, we're processing it a few months into it. And every morning I wake up uh, before I go to work, 4, 5 a.m., 3 a.m. sometimes. And I walk into my son's room every single day. And I look at my son and I lay my hands on my son son and I pray for him to be healed every single day. I'd be lying to you tonight if I said that that hasn't affected me emotionally. If I haven't felt like Satan's trying to sift my life through that. 
And when we look at Job's life, we look at being sifted. I don't think it goes uh, without saying that tonight there's people here, you've been sifted by the devil, that the devil has shaken your life. You've experienced something. You've gone through something. It could be uh, something as small as an emotional battle. It could be something similar to what I'm talking about with uh, someone, a loved one in your life, the emotion of a child being sick, and you feel sifted. Shaken to your core, asking the question, God, why is this happening to me? Well, what is it that I'm doing wrong? Well, what is it that I'm not doing? What did I do to invite this onto me? I would have thought, Lord, that you would have protected my family from this. Is that unfair of me to ask of God? Have you ever been sifted tonight? Where the devil's just shaking you, and all of a sudden you've lost the victory. All of a sudden you feel like, man, I'm just going to give in. You know, one of the things in L.A. is you have to deal with the traffic. Lord Jesus, help us with the traffic. <laughs> Sometimes if one more person cuts me off, you know, I'm in a company vehicle. I don't care. <laughs> just one more person, you know. Sometimes I say, if one more person comes up and asks me how the weather is, you know, if one more person asks me what it's like up there, no, I'm just kidding, I don't, I don't mind, <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> we sifted. You know, in my, I mentioned my testimony about uh, coming back from the Middle East, diagnosed to mild to severe PTSD, went to the VA hospital here for about four months, uh, two, three times a week. A lot of guys uh, in the warehouse and the men's home know about that, and they kind of helped me through a lot of that, and uh, it was, you know, very interesting time in my life. But uh, one of the things that uh, we read in the story, in, in, in Luke chapter 22, we read about Peter, And then if you were to look at John 21, we see after Jesus resurrects, he goes and he finds Peter and he ministers to him and he talks to him and he asks him those three famous questions. Do you love me? Uh, If you, you know, feed my sheep, do you love me? It's almost as if he's using each one of those uh, uh, questions to uh, make up for each denial that he's uh, had just the previous night before and that Jesus was very vested in the uh, restoration of Peter's life. And even, you, I mentioned 1 Peter 5.8, he says those words that the devil seeks about like a roaring lion. Having that experience, having that reference point of being sifted by the devil, being shaken by the devil, and how he had to be restored, and it took time. The uh, second point that I want to look at is is sown. And I want to look at it in two different aspects, if you will. I can say for uh, my life, when I, when I read the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark chapter 5, there's the wonderful story of the gathering demoniac. And when we read it, it's, it's so powerful. Jesus crosses over 
the boat, uh, in the boat, you know, over the, the uh, lake there, the, uh, the ocean there, not the other lake there. And so he gets to the other side. He sees this man living in the tombs. He sees this man, prays for him, casts out the demons. The Bible says those beautiful words. The next morning, he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. And you read that story. And, and I say to myself, God, can I have an experience like that? You know, can I go to church and have all that I'm dealing with, with my PTSD? Can I have all that I'm facing, all the stuff that I'm struggling with, get touched one time and just be set free? Now, sometimes I've had victories, but for the most part, it's taken time and time and Sunday morning service and Sunday night service and Wednesday night service and God sewing my life back together. And it's taken uh, not just an overnight uh, revelation or overnight touch from God, but it's been God working through my life, sewing me back together. Sometimes when we're sifted, we feel that there's no way to recover. I know I've felt that way at many times where I've made a mistake. I feel like there's no coming back from that mistake. But God in his loving grace has taken the thread and needle of his love and just sewn my life back together piece by piece and brought my heart, my emotions, and brought my spirit back together and mended me so I can keep going on. I want to show you a video tonight, and uh, it's a one-minute video, and I think you're going to enjoy it, and I want to move into the last point, which is being surrounded. Can we just show that one-minute video, and then play the music yeah, after that? Breathe out fast. Hard and fast. Let's go, boy. Don't fall. You got to stay on your feet. Come on. Feet. Go straight through. Hey, Yes, you can do it. Come on. Yes, you can do it. You guys do this now. Look at me. You have to hit it hard, though. You cannot hit it light. You have to hit it hard. Go. Again, Luke chapter 22 says, But I have prayed that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Play that music, please, for me, Martine. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says these words, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne. I remember one morning I, went, I woke up and I went to go pray for my son. As I, as I mentioned, this is kind of an emotional experience for me at times where I wonder, is he ever going to get healed? 
Is he ever going to, uh, you know, not have to live with these devices? Am I ever going to see him uh, just not, not have to give him insulin in order to go about his day. And one morning, I remember I went in to go pray for him. It was real early in the morning, and it was just, uh, the, just felt the devil attacking me emotionally. I felt like he was just, uh, you know, coming against my life and just putting all kinds of things into my mind and in my spirit. And I remember as I was there praying for my son, as I do every morning, I remember my wife woke up and I call her the Hana spirit. I got the Holy Spirit and the Hana spirit. And so Hana, you know, she, she came up, I didn't hear her, and she came up right behind me and she put her hand on my shoulder at just the right time. And she began to pray for me as I pray for my son. And I felt just the presence of God come over my life. The reason I showed you that video of that little boy is I've felt like that little boy sometimes when I'm being attacked by the devil, where I don't feel like I can go on. I don't feel like I've got the strength or the energy to go forward in the day. But I realized, like the scripture says in Hebrews 12, that I am surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And God shows up sometimes. When I'm praying for my son, my wife comes up and she puts her arms around me and I can feel heaven saying to me, Wesley, 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 I can do it. Amen. And then I look at my son and when I see my son, I want to look at him and say, Sebi, 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 and believe and let him know that there is a cloud of witnesses and there are people that are contending for his healing. In the scripture, it says in Psalms 91, you can read this, it says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent will trample under foot. This evening, I want to tell you something that if you feel like nobody Nobody understands what you're going through. If you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, nobody understands what it's like to be addicted. Nobody understands the pain that I'm facing. Nobody can sympathize with what I've done and the sins that I've committed. I want to tell you something tonight, that you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in this room this evening, that there is a body of believers. I'm so firm and believe that the church is the last and only bastion of hope in the world that we live in today. As we preach the gospel, we see the broken lives come in and they leave their sin at the altar and the people of God surround them with the grace and love that only can be given in the presence of God at a church service like this evening. Tonight, I want to encourage you that you're surrounded by the believers that want to see you make it. If you're here tonight and you're not sure whether or not church is for you, you're not sure whether or not you want to be a Christian, you're not sure if this is the right church for you, let me encourage you tonight. This is a place where people want to see you make it in the kingdom of God. This is a place where people will look past the failures of your life and say, we want to see you restored. 
We want to see your life set back up on a pedestal and redeemed to watch God show his love and grace through your life. The prayer in the gospel, it says that uh, in, Luke, uh, in Luke 22, it says, I prayed for your, that your faith may not fail. He didn't pray to take away the devil's attempt to sift him. He prayed for strength in Peter's life. Listen, church, that's what I realize I need even now as I have to fight this battle that I've shared with you tonight. I need God. Give me. You're not going to take it away. I need strength to go through it. Are you here tonight? And You say, you know what? I don't feel like I can do it. I just feel like every time the devil just gets a hold of me and I, I fail. Listen, let me tell you something. The, the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God can come down right now in this place and give you the power, give you the strength. The Holy Spirit can anoint your life. The power of the Holy Ghost can break those spirits in your life, can break those mindsets in your life. And this evening, you can have victory over that. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, Jesus has uh, been tempted by Satan. This is the beginning of his ministry. And the, ver, chapter 11, verse, chap, Luke 4, excuse me, verse 12, he says, And Jesus answered him and said, uh, You shall not put the, your, uh, the Lord your God to the test. And in verse 13, it says, When the devil had ended every temptation, it says, He departed from him until an opportune time. What that scripture says is that the devil realized, I lost the the battle at this moment. I'm going to pull back. And I'm going to wait for another time to attack him again. I know the devil's going to attack me again with my son. But I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I know the devil's going to attack my marriage. I know the devil's going to attack my church, but I'm surrounded by a body of believers. I'm surrounded by a mother church. I know that I'm going to have to face those uh, battles, but I want to tell you this evening, church, God has given me the victory to overcome. Why don't you bow your heads with me this evening as we go before the Lord? Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. 
And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.